0: With Aaron and Polly, and they're amazing friends. I'm Aaron.
1: I'm Polly.
2: I'm Wayne, and I'm still amazing.
1: I'm Jonathan. I'm bringing the show to a much more amazing level.
3: And no, this, this is Tim, and I have nothing witty to say.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's crowded here today. Where's
0: the donuts? <laughs> uh, Paul was going to bring those. Uh, Paul, donuts. Well,
4: wow. I, have a, I have a reason I didn't bring donuts.
0: And what would that reason be?
4: Because in our ongoing feature of Paul has a Moral Dilemma, I have a Moral Dilemma.
0: <laughs> I love this. You feature. don't have morals. Is, is this going to be a recurring segment on the show, Paul? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs>
3: need a bumper.
0: Paul's yeah, Moral Dilemma.
3: <laughs> so,
4: you know, I started shopping at Local Heroes Comics. And, you know, at first I was still staying loyal to my old comic shop and I was buying like my Marvel and Independence at Local Heroes and my DC books at my old shop and then I just stopped going because it was freaking a pain in the ass to go to two comic shops every week and so I I feel really bad about it but I haven't been to my old comic shop in like six weeks and I haven't cancelled my box or talked to the guy or anything so like what if I run across him in a supermarket or something
2: you know, I had that for a while. With my very first shop, I went through a period where I was unemployed for a little while because I was a teenager and I worked seasonal work, and I didn't go for a couple months. And then I'm walking down the uh, the street right in front of it, and I'm kind of looking through the window to see who's working. I'm trying to dodge around so they wouldn't see me walk by because I didn't want to deal with the conversation of so why haven't you been in? We have all these books here for you.
4: Yeah, but you know, it's like so. Because for a while, what I was doing, like I said, you know, I would buy the Marvel and independent books. But every once in a while, if I was excited about a DC book, I would go ahead and pick it up at local heroes. And then I'd go to the other shop and I'd be like, oh, I already have this. Didn't you already give this to me last week? <laughs> <laughs> so it's. So you know, the funny know.
2: thing is, I bet the guys at each shop are like, man, this guy only gets Marvel. He's a Marvel, <laughs> you know, zombie. He's like that Jonathan Landreth guy. Yeah, this guy <laughs> only buys DC. I mean, he doesn't have any variation in his book orders.
4: You know, and I feel bad now because the only DC books, books I buy, I guess, are Batman, Green Lantern, and The Flash. So, I mean, ah. So I was like, oh, I'll just add them to my pull list at Local Heroes, which is so easy because I could do it at Comixology. If I just put it on my Comixology list, they pull it for me. And I was like, so now I, I I feel like a douche because there's like a really good pizza place next to my old comic shop and with beer. Yeah, well, no, that's that's next to Local Heroes. Oh, there's another pizza place next to my other comic shop.
3: Mm.
4: You know, and the owner was is really nice guy. Moral dilemma. What should I do,
1: Paul? I I don't really know what to tell you here because my go to advice of just do it and then never speak to her again doesn't work really here. <laughs> <matter. laughs>
4: Is he going to stab me in the neck if I see him in the supermarket? I had this situation
0: many years ago when, you know, kind of like uh, Wayne, I, I wasn't unemployed, but I'd had a, a change in income status and uh, had to do a serious cutback. And I kept thinking, oh, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll catch up next week, you know, but I just stopped going to the comic book shop for several months. I didn't sack up and call the guy and go, hey, stop pulling books for me. Because I kept thinking I was going to catch up. Once once you get a couple of months behind, there's no way you're ever going to catch up unless you win the lottery or something. Yeah. And so I stopped going to that store. <laughs> <laughs> Years later, I, I popped in there one day, and the guy eyeballing me the whole time, You know, giving me the stink eye. That's that guy with that box of comics in the back. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that that long box is still back there waiting –
4: Aaron
2: Head, when's that fucker coming in?
4: (laughs) (laughs) It's got like every issue of Thor since 300. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
2: Usually after a while, they'll go ahead and put stuff back out after a couple months or so. And in my case, when I went back to the shop, I just started spending money again. And they never mentioned it. didn't seem to care as long as the money started flowing again. The comic shop I go
0: to, Zeus, has an online pool. And so you go in the weekend before New Comic Book Day and you enter what you want. And he also has one of those pull lists, like I think El Camino Comics has for for Jonathan, where you just give him, you know, a hard copy list and say, "Hey, pull these comics." My comic book shy, comic book guy was saying that he's going to start just going to the online thing because he's got so many folks who just never come in.
2: I wish mine had the online thing, but they don't. They have the old paper list. They they have like three different Excel versions of the list, so you never know which list is the accurate one. And, uh, It's so hard to get your list updated because you have to have just the right person be working that day to update your list. And I really envy the people that have online lists. One of the shops in the area not only has an online list, but they'll send you a text message the morning the the new comics come out of, here's what you have waiting for you after they've pulled it.
0: I get an email confirmation uh, every Tuesday about what they're pulling for me. Yeah, uh, it's I get
3: so the same for twenty first century. Wow, I don't understand this technology. Yeah, holy crap!
1: El Camino doesn't do any of that stuff.
3: <laughs> yeah, I get the same with Comixology.
4: You know, I get the little thing, and not only that, if you have a discount at your store, you can put in the discount and your, sa- and your state sales tax. So I know how much I'm going to spend before I go to the shop. Oh, see,
2: that yeah. would keep me from going to the shop. <laughs> <laughs> I bet so, El Camino will have a guy show up at your place of business with a knife saying, Yo, here's what you got waiting for you, boy.
3: <laughs> <laughs> He'll bring well, it in a torn up paperback. For an extra $2, do they have somebody read them for you, too?
4: Jesus, That would be awesome.
3: <laughs> but you know what?
4: So, I had a change in income status this week, too. Oh? <laughs> because I went to the comic shop, and now I'm broke.
2: Oh, poor guy.
4: Well, you know, I I'm mean, kind of
2: debating on something. I'm wondering how much color matters to me. Because I uh, I got a reward program at through work that gave me a ton of money to borders, and what I ended up buying with it is a e-reader. So now I'm thinking about can I get some of these comics cheaper, buying subscriptions to the online versions of them and downloading the PDF and uploading. But the e-reader isn't color, so how much does the color really matter to me? A lot. Yeah. I'm afraid that's the answer. Yeah. <laughs>
1: that was a waste of your uh, your precious points, Wayne. Sorry about that, stupid Wayne. <laughs> I thought that conversation was going in a completely different direction. I'm like, is Wayne going to start a race war? <laughs> that's what I was thinking. He's like, no. I want I want to tell you that uh,
4: color matters to me. <laughs> well, all right, I'm Puerto Rican. No, <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm wondering if all those essential books can be gotten in uh, in like PDF format because they're black and white already. <laughs>
4: They can
1: if you look in the right places.
4: <laughs>
1: Paul? Speaking of looking in the right places, some comics came out this week.
3: And you know what was on everybody's pull list? Shadowland Nothing. 1 was on everybody's pull list.
1: Except Not for John.
3: Well, it was on your pull list. It didn't mean you got it.
1: No, it wasn't even on my pull. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Shut uh, up! Know. So, <laughs> so you're just
5: lost.
2: Tim. You're just lost. You know, actually, it actually wasn't on my list either. I just started flipping through some other books and saw the Marvel advertisement for it at the end of a couple books and had to buy it just from that. You know, Paul's just trying to transition the conversation. I mean, I'm, I, <laughs> Tim. I mean, right? <laughs> it's Paul's. It's Tim's job to try to transition. It's <laughs> our job to derail that transition. Yeah. <laughs> not
3: only Jonathan, do you? What be
2: are you crabby? do?
3: grabby transitions you submarine my c-minus ones thank you (laughs) my transition was much
1: more correct than yours so shadowland you know
3: three out of six characters on the cover
1: are
4: not in the book just thought i'd put that out there right away (laughs) don't buy it expecting spider-man even though he's front and center on the cover
2: yeah i was kind of wondering about their choice of covers for that reason i know those characters are supposed to be in you know the the story arc overall but definitely not in the first issue
3: they're on a panel, Spider. Oh yeah, he is. No, you're right. You're right. They're throwing panels, but they're on a panel.
4: <laughs> no, he's right. I, I, I will give it to you, Tim. Anyway, so Shadowland number one. Uh, most of us read this, other than Jonathan. So, what did you guys think, Aaron? What'd you think?
0: You know, I haven't read a uh, <clears throat> a Daredevil book and walks. Always read Daredevil in trade. So, I, this is my first exposure to Shadowland and him leading the hand. I had some questions in the book. I guess I didn't gather that the Frankencastle Castle stuff was happening outside of continuity. Oh yeah, because you know well, Punisher looks rather
2: healthy on the on the panel that he appears in.
4: Well, and Castle, to- they
2: ignore it for the uh, for the Marvel Knights stuff too. or the Max line, whichever the other Punisher series is,
4: is ignoring it as well. Okay.
1: I think Frankencastle's
4: almost over anyway. I think there's only like three or four more issues in it.
1: I, I don't know if it's that Frankencastle is outside continuity. I think Daredevil's just ignoring everything else going on in the Marvel Universe.
4: If
2: I'm ready to crossover and I want the Punisher in it, I'm going to ignore Castle. I can't fault them for that. Good point. But, you know, otherwise, I enjoyed the book. I thought that the the scene
0: where Bullseye acquires the Psy, the uh, big mm-hmm. three pronged dagger thing, you knew what was going to happen with that. You know, you knew that that was going to be, you know, pointing up through somebody's back before the end of the book. It was just a matter of whose, and it was nice to see that it was uh, who it wound up being.
1: Foggy Nelson,
0: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I enjoyed it. I, I I don't plan on picking up any of the tie-ins. I I, I like the art in the book. I like I like the story in the book. It's a five-issue miniseries at three ninety-nine a pop. I gotta say though. For $3.99, I don't think it was a particularly good value. It was 24 pages. Um,
4: you got two extra pages out of that.
0: Yeah, for for an extra buck. Yeah. Uh, I, I think you, you get kind of screwed on the on the content. But I, I enjoyed the story, uh, and I, I, I'm going to stick on for the miniseries, but uh, I do think it's a little overpriced.
2: You know, I am not a Daredevil fan. I've never followed him. But I'm debating on picking up all the tie-ins because this was easily my book of the week, and I did not expect that at all. It just really blew me away. I, I enjoyed this quite a bit. So I'm definitely on board for the whole mini. I may pick up some of the tie-ins as well. There's just so yeah. many tie-ins.
3: You know, I I was really underwhelmed with the cover, and I, I I the reason I picked it up was because everybody else was picking it up other than Jonathan, who's lame. So, you know, and I've never, I've never, I've never read Daredevil comics either. And once, once I opened up the interior art, I did like, and I liked the story. I don't think I'm picking up tie-ins other than maybe Daredevil itself, but, um, I was definitely bought in. It's, it seems like a pretty solid story.
4: Yeah. Um, I'd imagine that Shadowland and Daredevil kind of coincide like Blackest Night and Green Lantern because they're both written by Andy Diggle. But uh, you know, I, I I liked the book, and uh, you know, for those who I, I will say, um, if you haven't been following Daredevil, it, it might be a little tricky to get caught up on what the hell's going on. You know, so
2: like you should- I said I haven't been reading it at all, and I didn't feel lost. I thought I did a pretty good job of getting you into. There's a lot of strange things that's happened, and he's not quite all himself anymore.
4: So what Wayne is saying is that you should not read the Shadowland Primer on IdeologyOfMadness.com. But what I was saying, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, we have a Shadowland Primer. Uh, if, if you feel you have questions other than the one about Frankencastle, <laughs> they'll be answered in the Shadowland Primer. Um,
2: and if you I have really questions w- about Frankencastle, it's freaking Frankencastle. Just forget it.
4: <laughs> Stop reading. Um, you know, I, I've been reading Daredevil. In fact, I got caught up on the title uh, the last couple of issues right bu- last week before this one came out. Um, so I, I really do like the storyline. I think too much of the story was given away in the preview art and, uh, like all the little teasers and stuff they released in ads, like the last page of this comic is supposed to be this big event, but that was, that same picture was in one of their ads for this book. So it didn't really surprise me.
0: Well it strikes me as interesting that they, in all the other Marvel books this week, you know they they've got the preview pages from this book,
2: you know, and it's just straight out of this book. I said that was successful, though, because that's why I picked up the book. I wasn't looking forward to it. I didn't care about it. it's Daredevil. and then I picked up I think it was uh, avengers Children's Crusade that I was flipping through, and there, there at the end is this preview, and I'm reading it. I was like, wow, that looks really good. And that's why I reached back on the shelf and grabbed Shadowland because I, I said I hadn't been looking forward to it, I hadn't cared until then.
1: All right, for those who are keeping score at home, color matters to Wayne, and he hates on the handicapped. <laughs>
0: Wayne is just full of hate.
1: He is. He is.
4: He is. Arrayed. Just the
2: bl- Just the blind. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
4: but I enjoyed it. Uh, I, I will definitely be picking up at least the main miniseries and Daredevil, and I'll probably pick up the Moon Knight tie-ins, um, because they're actually written by Greg Hurwitz,
2: uh, who we have an interview with up, on the site, by the I'm way. I'm hoping to pick up the Spider-Man ones, because I have been craving a good Spider-Man story, and it's only a one-shot, so there's a good chance I'll probably pick it up, and I'm really hoping it's good, because it's been a while since I've had a good Spider-Man story.
1: Well, The and Spider-Man it's one yeah, the Spider-Man ones are not written by Greg Horowitz who we do not have an interview on the site. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but I'll—I I probably won't pick up Shadowland Power Man or Shadowland Daughters of the Shadow. But you know, I'll pick up a couple of them. Are you going to get the
0: Shadowland Power Pack tie-in?
4: Yeah, I'll probably pick up that one because I love me some Power Pack. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I tell you, if there were awkward confession music over here,
4: <laughs> this, that's uh, that, no, no, that, that, that was that was a joke.
2: No, no, the awkward confession comes with me, in that I have a ton of Power Pack stuff in a box in my basement because I went through a phase where I was picking up all of it I could.
3: And it made oh. the move.
2: <laughs> it made the move. Very Ugh. little, very few things actually got rid of in the move. It, it's harder than you would think to sell comics. At least the not comics as, that you want to sell because they're not very good. Not as, yeah, as exactly it's just burning them.
4: It's hard to sell shitty comics. <laughs>
0: That's why you just leave those places.
1: I don't know I don't know if you guys notice, but it's hard to give away comics for free. Paul
3: and I don't seem to have that problem.
1: Yeah, well, kicked in the dice bags has that problem.
3: <laughs> Wayne Wayne's power pack confession has nothing to do with an upcoming win three pounds of power pack comics that might be on the pod I guess
2: free <laughs> <laughs> funny book day two power pack edition
0: Wayne hasn't talked about his power pack poncho that he wears around town
3: <laughs> <laughs> he's the energizer
4: but there's only one thing Wayne loves more than the power pack the young avengers <laughs> the little kids <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Wow, what are you insinuating there, Paul?
0: Wayne also drives an ice cream truck. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I insinuate nothing. <laughs> the Young Avengers, well, the Young Avengers series written by Alan Heinberg with art by Jim Chung, I think a lot of us really liked that series um, and have not cared too much for the Young Avengers in how they've been used in the Marvel Universe since. Uh, but the original creative team is back for kind of a sequel i guess to that series it's a nine issue bi-monthly series called avengers the children's crusade and issue one came out this week
2: it's bi-monthly
4: yeah i didn't know that did you hear the heartbreak in that yeah <laughs> uh, you should just replay that <laughs> why do
2: things have to be bi-monthly
4: because it's jim chuck why do things have to be my bi-monthly seriously why the hell are Captain America and Iron Man in their old costumes in this book?
0: Well, you know, what I don't understand is, you know, bi-monthly is such a hateful word, whereas when buy is used in other words, it's kind of cool.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> because in this case, it means you have to wait.
4: <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to read a little something. This is uh, Paul's Masterpiece Theater from Avengers The Children's Crusade. Because work began on the series many months ago, there are some seeming discrepancies as regards to the attire of certain characters, particularly Captain America and Iron Man. By the time the series concludes, it should become apparent where its events fall within the overall ongoing continuity. Until then, we feel confident that our loyal readers will be able to overlook these seeming inconsistencies, relax, and enjoy the show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Captain America, I don't even know, I don't know if he's Steve Rogers or the other dude, Bucky, but he's in his old Captain America attire. Iron Man's in it, in his old Iron Man costume. This is post-Siege, because they reference Siege. And I, 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 okay, I get it, they want us to just enjoy,
1: but that bugged me. This book flew completely under my radar. I think if it was called Avengers the Prostatats Crusade, I would have picked it up. (laughs)
4: What'd you think of it,
1: Wayne? You know, I
2: enjoyed it. It's yeah, it had some issues. Yeah, they actually had a disclaimer saying we trust that you'll be able to ignore these issues. But you know what? I liked what we saw of the Young Avengers themselves. Yeah, the Avengers were out of place in wrong costumes, doing the same stupid bickering over the uh, the Young Avengers that they've done since they've been in this title, but. You know what? If you ignore them, I enjoyed the rest of the book, and I'll keep doing the miniseries, and I'll keep feeling crushed that it's not coming out every month. I was already thinking, man, a nine-issue miniseries is going to be forever before I get this whole story until you had to go and make it worse.
4: It'll be a year and a half (laughs) to get to issue nine, and you know what? It'll be delayed just putting that out there.
2: Um, oh, yeah, it, it's a, naturally will. And their next big event will happen, and they'll have to take time to throw them into the big event, because that's the only way they can use these characters.
4: Yeah. Now, I have to say, the book is beautiful. Jim Chunk kicks ass. He, he's a great artist. But there were some issues with the story on this one for me. Um, like you said, Avengers are still bickering about the young Avengers. They've been around for a couple of years now. Why are they... S- Still having issues with them.
2: Steve Rogers had no problem using them in the Civil War, no yeah. problem at all. Didn't complain about them at all when he needs soldiers and he can just use people. But now that the war is over, oh, he's got problems with them again. Yeah.
4: Not only that, they you know they were called upon for siege. Two of them were in the Mighty Avengers. Why are there still issues? You know, in this issue, Wiccan basically takes out some bad guys and renders them comatose. Which apparently pisses off the Avengers, Don't, which I don't understand because, you know, like they don't render people comatose. And so they capture Wiccan and bring him back to Avengers Tower. He escapes and then turns himself in and then escapes again. Seriously? It, it, you forgot I mean, the
2: part where he turns his jail cell into a master bedroom with one giant bed so he can make out with his boyfriend.
4: Yeah, there is that. Well, what? You know, yeah, I'm not joking, Jonathan.
2: That actually is a scene in the book, that they're in a, basically the jail cell with an Avengers mansion, and he uses his magical powers to change that into this wonderful, awesome master bedroom with a giant king-sized bed so he can make out with his boyfriend in the middle of Avengers mansion, where they probably have cameras all over the place.
1: Well, I know yeah. what I'm going to be masturbating to tonight. <laughs> yeah,
4: Wiccan and Hulkling are gay. In case anyone, which you wouldn't know unless you read the first Young Avengers series, because it's pretty much never mentioned in the side series. Oh, uh, it, it was
0: in the uh, the Siege book, the Siege tie-in. Oh, okay. Because they were they were both being very tender towards one another.
2: You know, and it was such a big part of the first miniseries because his original name was Asgardian, right? And they're like, "Do you really want your name to be Asgardian when it comes out that you're gay?"
4: <laughs> and
2: that's why he became you know Wiccan instead.
4: Yeah. I, I didn't dislike the book the art was beautiful um, it's just, like you said it's kind of frustrating that it'll take a year and a half to finish and I'm sure it'll bring the Scarlet Witch back into the Marvel Universe I think that's the whole point of it I just, you know, I, I wonder if it's important enough for me to care about you know, or if you know But the go and besides the Avengers being out of place I
2: wondered about Magneto showing up at the end how that's going to fit with everything we've seen recently of him over in X-Men
4: well, and you know what's interesting is supposedly um one of the few upcoming issues of Uncanny X-Men has a backup feature um written by Alan Heinberg with art by Jim Chung that leads into how Magneto plays into the series. So, you know, hopefully that'll answer some questions. But not a bad book, just I, I considering how hyped I was for it, the the story let me down more than the art. And the art bugged me because of the uh, you know, the discrepancies between Mon- uh you know, current continuity. So, uh, Vengeance of the Moon Knight number 10, Paul? <laughs> there's your segue. Sh- there's your segue. <laughs>
5: uh,
4: I was about to say, you know what book didn't let me down, though? <laughs> uh, Vengeance of the Moon Knight number 10, which is the last issue of the title um, for now. Um, it, you know, we, we, we kind of complain about how do, how does this fit in with this, you know, with his appearances in this, that kind of thing. Moon Knight um, is going to be part of Shadowland. And while Moonlight while Shadowland and the, the Moon Knight tie-ins are running, Vengeance of the Moon Knight will not be coming out. Oh really? So yeah, which I, I thought was an interesting choice.
0: I wonder if that uh-huh. means that Vengeance of the Moon Knight's on its way out the door.
4: Which would be sad because you
0: know that that's the same thing we've kind of been wondering about the Marvel Space Books in light of uh, you know, Thanos
2: imperative and how Nova and Guardians of the Galaxy have both been sidelined. Oh, I'm sure they were just watching Continuity and thought, he can't be in his own title if he's doing this. I'm sure. I'm sure that's Uh, exactly what happened. But he can be in Secret
1: Avengers, of course.
2: Well, yeah, because he's on Mars there. so He can be on Mars while he's on Earth. Those are two different planets. That doesn't matter.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, as long as it's not in the same zip code, right? Yeah. Um, So (laughs) that's just the Moon Knight number 10 um i really loved this issue uh it's which is kind of sad that you know it's not going to be at least hopefully it's not on its way out the door hopefully it's just on hiatus um but this features moon knight with the secret avengers um so you know it's not just moon knight solo while he's on mars you know this is an adventure with the secret avengers um and it, it was you know the art was fantastic in this book and um I, I really enjoyed it. It's just them taking on kind of like these these pirates at sea who get a hold of uh, like some ancient artifact that gives them superpowers and has giant sea creatures and all sorts of crazy stuff. but it was a really good book it's a it's a nice done in one book you know that features you know a nice done in one secret Avengers and let's be honest, are we ever gonna get a done in one secret Avengers comic? Probably never uh, other than this one. So I really liked it, and it's a shame that the series isn't continuing, but I am looking forward to Shadowland Moon Knight. And um, if you like the Moon Knight series, we do have a Greg Hurwitz interview right now on Ideology of Man to check out, where he talks about the Shadowland stuff and you know this series and where it's going. So
1: pick it up. I really enjoyed this book. Speaking of uh, Moon Knight, it's time for our Batman update.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, moving on to the custom vigilantes of the DC Universe – I'm I'm just gonna make my own transitions. We're gonna have two transitions for every book.
3: You're such a Sunday morning <laughs> transition. Did you come up with that when you need to instead of three <laughs> minutes seconds after? Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to rock the
4: internet by saying that Batman and Robin 13 was my book of the week. Oh, wait, what? isn't that a Grant Morrison book? It's a Grant Morrison book.
0: Paul is off. The show,
4: yeah, heretic, a red
2: intervention time.
4: <laughs> this, this is the best Batman comic I've read, like in years. And I and I like some of the stuff that Paul Dini's doing. This issue was awesome, Paul. I know. I, I'm not mad at you. I'm just <laughs> disappointed.
1: I I don't know if I can trust anything you say from here on out. Hey,
0: this is this is a betrayal of everything <laughs> we hold dear.
4: Are you drunk, I, I, Paul? No, and maybe a little, but <laughs> <laughs> I just – I loved this issue. I,
0: I Stop saying these words.
4: <laughs> and everything about it, you know, the, the Grant Morrison, it had the artist who did that second issue, that like Witchfinder Batman of Return of Bruce Wayne thing. You know, It had a lot not going for it. But, like know, Grant Morrison. Like Grant Morrison. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. But I just – I won't say it again, but it's definitely worth reading. And not Stop only it. that.
0: <laughs> Stop saying it.
4: <laughs> I have to say one more thing. Early contender for my favorite moment of the year. Oh, uh, Robin bashes Joker upside the head with a crowbar. And they don't like show it off panel. They don't like shy away from it. He takes a crowbar, bashes Joker upside the head, and
3: blood squirts out. So it's awesome. when Aaron edits this. And Paul says, "I am Groot for the next three minutes." <laughs> <laughs> listeners know that we uh, we're taking care of Paul, and he's in a safe facility. And hopefully <laughs> if next
1: any, week, if, he'll be back. If anyone out there goes and picks up Batman Robin number thirteen, we we are not responsible. Like, don't. Uh, yeah, Paul. I, Paul. What have you done? It's good. No,
0: no, it's not. They can't possibly. <laughs>
4: All right, all right, all right. I say on. this
0: with the surety of a man who has not read this book. It can't <laughs> possibly be good.
2: You know what was good, though? Red Robin number 14.
3: Oh, Red Robin 14 was book of the week. I love this book. You know, we, I've been banging the drum for Marcus Toe and his art, and I think i got to throw a little bit of love to uh, the inker, the Ray McCarthy, and the colorist guy, Major. He, they just contribute to such a beautiful book. And add to the fact that the storyline's been uh, fairly awesome. And I know Wayne loves it because of the scene in there. So go ahead, Wayne.
2: Yeah, so I'm reading through this thing, and it gets to you know, – I'm wondering what the hell's going on with Robin. Robin, for some reason, is going all emo and complainative again and actually attacks Tim. So Tim has to take the time to beat the boy down to show him a lesson. Yeah, you because know, the kid's never going to respect him until he's bloody and broken on the ground, which is kind of yeah. cool to me.
4: And so, I got to pause for a second. Pause you for a second, because Tim beats the shit out of Damien without yeah. even trying. Okay, you can continue now.
2: <laughs> yeah, that basically is it. Tim be- just beats the shit out of him, not not really trying too hard. Finally, just, finally says, "Okay, now I'm trying."
1: And Way to go, Tim! Him,
2: he leaves him a bloody. You know, his face is bleeding and he's laying on the ground. And then Batman shows up and they realize they're fighting where Bruce Wayne's parents were killed. And there's just this awkward moment where he's like, what the hell do you two think you're doing? And come to find out, it actually made sense for Damien to attack him. I didn't. I liked Damien in this book, which I, I didn't think that was possible because I really hate this character. But Damien found out what Tim's overall plan was he found out that tim like bruce likes to keep a list of heroes and how to take them down as well and he found that he's on the hit list he was number 1 on the hit list so he's doing a preemptive strike against tim to you know basically get back at him and tim had the worst password ever but yeah yeah i mean it's it was a really good issue i love seeing the fight i love that the fight actually had a purpose and there was a reason that you know damian was being the The whiny little brat that he was being and that I was actually surprised that Dick didn't step up more and try to yell at Tim about the list. I mean, we saw what happened when Bruce had a list like this. The whole Justice League was taken down by his list. But Tim doesn't seem to mind – or Dick doesn't seem to mind Tim's just because he's not on it.
4: Yeah, I thought that was interesting. You know, And it was – that was one of my favorite scenes of the book, and this whole book was great. Um, you might even like Damian Moore if you saw him beat the Joker with a crowbar. Just putting that out there. Um, but <laughs> I like that after they discover the secret hit list, uh, the secret hit list that Tim has, that Dick just goes, "You know, just put a better password on it." I understand why you have it. You know, I thought that was cool. It wasn't like scolding him, like, "Damn it, this is why freaking Infinite Crisis happened." No, (laughs) he says, just put a different password on it so that so that Damien can't find it next time.
2: You know, and really someone we've seen do hacking in the past and actually has been shown to be, you know, fairly good at computers. Is he really going to have a password that can be hit by a dictionary attack? I I thought that was kind of weak, but that was the only complaint I had in it. And it was necessary for Damien to be able to get the password after two hours worth of hammering away at it.
4: Yeah. But I enjoyed the book, and it sounds like we all did. I want to I
3: see Tim I Drake didn't. send Vicki Vale to Afghanistan on like assignment or something. Be like, take that. Because <laughs> Vicki Vale, for some reason, this book is a complete pain in the ass, and I don't understand why. I don't get that.
2: You know, I love that they haven't cleared up the whole Tim Drake being engaged to Tam Fox thing yet. It's leading to some very awkward moments that are great on the page.
1: Speaking of great on the page, it's time for our X-Men update. I guess I don't have another one, a better transition than that. So I think that was pretty damn good.
4: That was good. That was very good, Jonathan. Good boy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so everyone other than Aaron read X-Force number 28 this week, chapter 13 of Second Ooh. Coming.
3: We're finally and to a book I read. It yeah. was awesome in Aaron's lane. <laughs> <Ooh, yeah. clears throat>
4: Not now. Let's let Jonathan speak because he's been quiet for the last 20 minutes.
1: All right. Except for when I chime in to derail conversations. It was good. It was my book of the week. Uh, and I say that, you know, it, I mean, it, it was good. I mean, Second Coming's been good, and this was consistently good. I mean, so we're at the point now where it's just standard that it's this good. You know, what I mean, like, it wasn't any better or worse than other issues in the series. And, you know, we've had 13 chapters now of goodness. Uh, I don't really know what else to say about it. It was It's consistent.
2: You know, I'm kind of curious what Hope's powers actually are, because I thought it was just telekinesis and just going to be the Phoenix Force, essentially. But we've seen two or three different powers displayed in the course of her fighting with Bastion here. So I'm wondering exactly what her powers are.
1: I think it's just the Phoenix Force, and she's just manifesting it in different ways, like stuff that she's seen the X-Men do while they're battling. You know, we, we didn't talk about there's a major
4: character death. He'll be back in, in the book. There was? Spoiler warnings on. <laughs> what
1: do you mean there was? Cable died. Oh. Uh, yeah, but we all knew that was going to happen. That was Telegraph yeah. more than Nightcrawler's death. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, I think it's funny that the major character deaths of the series of this event both happened in X-Force yeah, X Force books.
2: Yeah, I mean, let's face it, Cable's a time traveler. There are so many ways to bring him back.
1: I don't think they need to. I think, I think Cable can. I mean, what's it? He's been around for what twenty years? I think he was a byproduct of the '80s. I think he's he actually did something cool in comics. I think goodbye, Cable.
3: You yeah, and I like, I, yeah, and I I thought that was kind of crap that Scott Summers didn't even say, oh, darn it, or anything when he blew up. Yeah, oh, my because son Summers is dead. Was
2: like, yeah, his son blew up in front of him, but he doesn't seem to care.
1: Because Cyclops is ice cold now, baby. Like, he is, <laughs> like, seriously... Seriously. I mean, the one consistent thing you can say about Cyclops through all X-Books, through everyone who's written him, since at least since I've gotten back into comics, is that he is a cold, emotionless bastard. He's a leader. A true leader. He does what it takes.
2: Eddie is. Yeah. I can't wait for the last issue of the miniseries now to see how it all turns out. I well, mean, we've, we've seen Hope's powers flare up now. She actually has – I don't know if she has control of her powers – but she definitely is able to focus them and you know battle with them, and now they're left with something that very possibly is the Phoenix Force flying in front of them. So now,
1: did did you guys notice the the one the one big moment in this book for me was the look on Emma's face? Yeah, or just like no, like like all I can picture is like is Cyclops gonna hook up with Hope? because <laughs> she's just like, "Oh." <laughs> I think I think she I think she, you know, was uh, that was the readers' reaction through her as they were like, "Oh, it's exactly what we thought. Oh, no surprises here." <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it, you know, and it's
4: funny cuz um, as soon as she unleashes the Phoenix force, Cyclops and Wolverine both go running towards her and Emma's like, "Ah, uh, damn it." <laughs> you know? Yeah, but, uh, I mean, I, I thought it was a good book. I don't think we're going to see much action, obviously, in the, the final chapter. I think it's just going to be, you know, character beats and wrap up because pretty much it's resolved now. All the major.
3: Is it wrong stuff. for me to think to? Because at one point when she starts unleashing that stuff, I'm like, I, I switched. I'm cheering for Nimrod right now. Like, like go Bastion. <laughs> <laughs> like at that moment, I'm like, I, I, I don't want her to win. I want, I want Bastion to end her face.
4: And her face,
3: <laughs> yep. it really did. I'm like, oh, no, Jean Gray. I was really hoping they'd, you know, just be like, oh, it really looks like Gene Gray, but it's not going to be Gene Gray. No, it's basically Gene Gray. Go Bastion, and then I was disappointed again. Yeah, I mean, it was a good book, but yeah, you're right. Like, no, no, uh, nothing innovative. There were
1: no, there were no surprises in the entire series. Is that safe to say? Everything that that. We thought would happen happened.
3: Well, well I'm honest. I definitely. didn't. I didn't think Nightcrawler and Cable would die. And maybe you guys are more plugged in the X universe than I am, and would expected that. But I didn't. well, I mean
1: just just in just in the story, it just seemed telegraphed. I mean, just know All right, because you go in knowing that someone's going to die,
2: and that and, they wanted to do a big shocking death.
1: Yeah. So when 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 Nightcrawler's picked to go, you know. With hope, and I'm just like, oh well, this ain't gonna be good for him. <laughs> and uh, and then you know, we, like, a, of all the uh, all the members of X Force go on that suicide mission, I'm like, hmm, it's either gonna be Cable or Doug Ramsey doesn't come back from this. <laughs> but uh, luckily, yeah,
2: they good. use this mini series to beat up the New Mutants pretty bad, chopping off legs here and there, and killing some of them off, and.
1: Oh, I've got something to say on that, and when we talk about the next comic. Yeah. Well, you know, in case you had any
4: doubts about who would survive Second Coming, <laughs> X Men number one was released before Second Coming complete <laughs> completed its run. Um, it's also the first book of the Curse of the Mutants crossover. So um, this one's written by Victor Gishler with art by Paco Medina. And uh, I, I want to hear what you guys thought of it. Uh, a couple of us picked this book up today, or this week. Suckfest.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I hated it. I mean, for, for the last three months, we've been reading these great X books, and this was just as far away from a great X, books as, great X book as you could possibly get compared to what we've been reading.
2: You know, I got to say, I didn't hate it, but I know Paul liked it a lot more than I did. It was okay the whole vampire's angle is not the angle I think they should have taken this at all. But I found myself surprisingly enjoying Jubilee again in the book, which is a surprise because I never really cared for the character before. I don't know. I'm, I'll am i be on board for another couple issues to see how it goes. But I guess I'm not one over with the vampire art.
4: You know, I um I did like X-Men number one. Uh, it, it was better than I thought it was going to be. But I, will s- I have a couple of qualms with it. First of all it doesn't feel at all like a first issue.
2: It it just kind of like, you know... It feels like a sequel more than anything else.
4: Yeah, or just another issue. You know, it, it just feels like another issue in a book. You know, there's nothing special or grandiose. There's not a lot of introduction. I mean, yeah, we know who they are. We know who Wolverine and some of these characters are. But it's issue one. You know, there should be this introduction to the characters, you know, that kind of stuff. And it, there's none of that. It's, you know, it, it doesn't feel like a number one issue. It doesn't feel like there's anything special here. Yeah, um, they
1: they didn't even do the uh, the little name blurbs, the little boxes that tell you who yeah. somebody is. Like so, Pixie's in this book. Not once is Pixie's name mentioned in the book. Exactly. You just you have know, to know.
2: You know, and a number one book should be something that people who haven't read the title or the characters can come back to and have a clue what's going on. I don't see that happening with these characters, especially, like you said, Pixie. I mean, I've been reading her in the the Second Coming crossover, and I still have no idea and still don't care who she is.
1: Yeah, she's lame. I hope she dies. I was hoping she would die in Second Coming. I was hoping she would die in Hellbound because that's where she's at right now, and like, no, I guess that's not going to happen.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's just, I like I said, I didn't dislike the book. It just it didn't feel like a special number one for me, you know. And, and even at the start of a Curse of the Mutants saga, nothing important happened other than you know them discovering that vampires are in San Francisco and Wolverine cuts
3: someone's head off. Speaking of books that don't make people feel special, Jonathan bought an (laughs) annual this week. (sighs) Yeah. Uh,
1: I was surprised that because uh, I know Aaron is another big uh, Fantastic uh, Four reader.
0: Yeah, that uh, annual did not look good to me. I did not pick it up for that reason.
1: Good yeah, for you, thing, man.
0: <laughs> I flipped through it, and saw what the story was, and said, "No, I'm not touching this." Well,
1: Good you know, for I, you guys. I, I looked at
0: the at what was being solicited on the Marvel.com site last week, and even commented on the episode. And looking at it at the store, I was like, "Yeah, you guys can keep this one."
1: I mean, uh, let's first say that this is not written by Jonathan Hickman. Correct. Um, so it feels completely different than the Fantastic Four books we've been reading lately. And just like any other annual, it is completely unimportant to anything going on. They're not going to drop any bombs in this. It is going to be completely and utterly pointless. Uh, you know, but it, they're, they're going to make you think that it is. And they, they, the whole thing with this is that this chick shows up and she says she's pregnant with uh, Johnny Storm's kid. And... Uh, you know, they go through this whole thing and you find out that some gay villain is you know, it inseminated her.
0: So literally a, a homosexual villain, not a not a is that what you're saying?
1: No, I mean I mean <laughs> gay. gay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean gay in the bad way, not gay in the good way. Okay.
2: <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that phrase before. <laughs>
1: um anyway, so I'm like, well, when this wraps up, how... I mean, what are they going to do? Like, is she going to have an abortion? (laughs) Like, because obviously this can't be important. Like, they're not going to have, like, fucking... Or Johnny Storm's kid running around.
2: So... Who needs an abortion when you have a time machine?
1: Yeah, exactly. That's, That's the... Like, so, it's not an abortion because she can go back in time... And stop the insemination, therefore she never got pregnant, so there never was a fetus to be killed.
0: But didn't that create an alternate time stream?
1: They, they're not going to deal with that. They're just like, oh, we have to figure out how to wrap this up without catching any heat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awful. You know, every other time in, in Fantastic – did they use the the Doctor Doom's time platform? Is that what I they don't used?
1: know. The, the, they, they never, they never met. Like it, the whole thing at the end wraps up very fast. It's like, it's like, all right, let's just throw some words out there and hope that people just sort of read it, try to get to the end of this book, and not really think about what's going on here.
2: Oh, that's awful. You know, it was actually weird. I was, as I was flipping through, I saw the art of the time machine, and they're up on a platform of some sort, and the time machine is like down below them, so she can jump into the time stream. It's not like Doom's platform. It's not. It wasn't like any, you know, Fantastic Four time travel device I've seen in the past. It looked wow. kinda like they were in Cerebro if Cerebro was a giant time machine instead of a, you know, something to boost mental powers.
3: So they stepped in like a Gravitron and spun their way <laughs> back in time? Is that,
2: is that
4: what happened?
0: Sounds like, like a yeah. God, I'm so glad I didn't pick this book up. And it was four ninety nine, right? Uh
1: don't don't talk to me about that. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the only interesting thing I thought was that uh, Johnny Storm actually wanted to keep the kid. And, uh, and she, ends up, she ends up jumping anyway. Too bad, Johnny. Too bad. She's like, I can't, I, we can't. This is an annual. I have to go. <laughs> stop, stop everything that happened in this issue.
0: Well, you know, Johnny Storm couldn't stop the mother of his child. And you know who else she can't stop? Hit monkey. <laughs> uh, there you go. <laughs> well, Hitmonkey
1: hit is wait, wait, the wait, first. Wait, 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 wait. wait, What? Uh, I don't want to give people bad information. I'm actually wrong. She ends up jumping into the time stream and going back to some undetermined year to actually have the baby. And at the very end it shows like his kid is like fully grown and can flame on and stuff. And is flying around somewhere. So oh, somewhere. So you Yeah, it's just it was bad. Like it was bad, and I was just like not digging it. I'm like this has, and like, just Hickman needs to never leave Fantastic Four. If this is what's in store for for the title, (laughs) if they bring somebody else on, that's all I'm gonna
2: say. I've been reading some really good Fantastic Four stories in trade lately, too. Any of those authors they could have brought back, and it would have been better than this. But, yeah, I glanced through. There was no way I was picking it up after I saw the, the storyline that was in there.
3: So you know All what right. else Hickman isn't writing? Hitmonkey Hit number Monkey
0: one. one. It's, it's like the, it, this episode, our theme is two transitions for each <laughs> one, isn't it?
4: <laughs> so we talked about Shadowlands number one. We talked about X-Men number one. We talked about Avengers The Children's Crusade number one. We picked up a lot of damn number ones this week. That's correct. But I didn't pick up Hitmonkey, even though I'm a fan of Daniel Way. I'm curious as to why you didn't pick it up, Paul. Honestly, I didn't care for the Hitmonkey one-shot. Ah, okay. Um, But I liked his appearance in Deadpool, but it was more humorous. And if they were just going to play it straight again, I didn't. I wasn't interested in that.
0: Well, and they certainly played it straight in this. Um, this is my first exposure to Hit Monkey. I mean, really, my my only uh, uh, knowledge of Hit Monkey has come from you know your uh, reviews, Paul. Um, I liked it. I I I was expecting, you know, a little bit more haha <laughs> than I got. Uh, and and this there's no haha in this book. Um, I picked it up because it was a first issue I hadn't read hit monkey before and it was 299 okay so it had all the right things going for it I enjoyed the book it is a slice of a much larger story um, you know it's a three issue mini and it, it's this is the origin story for hit monkey so you know uh, there's a whole lot of exposition uh, from everyone else not from hit monkey himself because you know hit monkey's not talking other than Eek and hreek, um, <laughs> but you know, Hit Monkey's a badass. You can't stop a monkey with a bad going on, you know. So uh, you know, Hit Monkey's just shooting everybody up. I, I I enjoyed it enough to pick up the next issue, but if it was a three ninety nine book, I absolutely would not.
2: Hmm. So that's my review of Hit Monkey. And that was a marvelous review. No, oh, thank that you. That leads right into. Another title with Marvel in its name.
0: Yeah, Marvel Man Family's Finest. And I got to tell you, I was so excited about this book coming out. Uh, uh, Marvel Man, and some of you may know him as Miracle Man, has been a character that has been wrapped up in uh, litigation for decades on who owns the rights to it. And Marvel finally settled the whole thing and now owns uh, Marvel Man. And it it, it was originally – and. I, I've never read the original stories of Marvel Man from back in the 50s. Uh, This is a character that rolled out of the DC, or actually at the time, Fawcett Comics, Captain Marvel stories. And when DC won the lawsuit against Fawcett and got Fawcett to stop printing Captain Marvel during that time, uh, the creators that were involved with it went over and created Marvel Man, which is very similar to Captain Marvel. And I'd never understood how similar it was until I was reading these uh origin stories that are reprinted in Marvel man family's finest number one I mean he has a power word <laughs> you know that makes him that helps him uh uh that transitions him into a superhero
1: is He's, it uh is it a it it is
0: not it is not his okay. his power word is Komota. i don't know
1: what okay is that a safe, a safe word what's a safe word? Banana.
2: Yeah, and I'm sure he's not named Billy Batson or anything. He could be William Batson. My, Mickey Moran is his real
0: name. <laughs> but his arch nemesis, Mickey Moran? <laughs> his arch nemesis looks almost exactly like Savannah. You know, uh, Captain Marvel's nemesis. You know, he's got the funky yeah. teeth. The difference is, is that he's not short and he has hair. But if you put your thumb over his, uh, his, you know, hairline, he looks exactly like Savannah. Um, he has got uh, a whole Marvel Man family, not a Marvel family like Captain Marvel, but he's got a Marvel Man family: Kid Marvel and, uh, or actually a Kid Marvel Man and a Young Marvel Man. No Doze in the Marvel Man family, by the way. Anyway, I, it was it was interesting to see these these original stories. Now I'm more familiar with the Eclipse run from back in the '80s that Alan Moore and Neil Gaiman wrote, and you know. The, for the few of those books that I read uh, at the time, I rather enjoyed. This is reprinting all of the early '50s stuff, and, and they're 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 printing the six issue miniseries just to get a generation of folks who aren't familiar with Marvel Man uh, familiar with it again. Because, like I said, it, you know it's it's been wrapped up in uh, legal issues for years and years, and it hasn't seen print since the '80s. That said, it features a beautiful Marco Giorgiavic cover. The interiors are all black and white reprints from the 50s. I don't understand why this book was $3.99, other than the fact that they wanted to get my $4. I'm
1: not going to. Oh, pick- uh, speaking of your $4, Marvel Man Family's Finest Number One came out this week.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was disappointed that no one else transitioned to the second
0: transition. Yeah. yeah. As much as I enjoyed this, I'm not picking up the rest of the series. Uh, I'm get- They will be collecting these, and I'm just going to pick it up and trade.
2: You know, and if it's just a reprint, the uh, the extra money is probably for the reprint because every time they throw reprints in a book, they want to charge us an extra dollar. Yeah,
0: well, I, there is no original content in this book other than the cover. You know, everything else is is, is a reprint. And the, the, I think the the opportunity they miss is that there should have been you know an opening essay about the history of Marvel Man, why he's significant. I mean, if you ask a lot of creators, they'll tell you that this character is one of the most important. Uh, important characters to be created uh, from the 50s. but I, I think it's a mistake to not provide a little bit of that background because there's a lot of folks out there who've got no familiarity with this character whatsoever. So I think it's a missed opportunity. But anyway, uh, I'm sure I'm glad to see these back in print. I know that Marvel is putting together a premier hardcover of some other books. You're going to see uh, several more. Uh, Trades come out that are reprints, you know, just bringing some of that the old catalog of material back into print, and then I am certain that in two thousand eleven we're probably going to see some actual original content, which has me very, very excited.
4: Well, I read a couple other number ones this week, and you know what? Even though they're separate on our outline, I am just going to say I spent twelve dollars that I shouldn't have spent on three (laughs) books this week. (laughs) So, Rapid Fire Brigade Number One from Image Comics, written by Rob Liefeld. (laughs) <laughs> Greg at local heroes looked at me when he saw this in my stack yeah. <laughs> and the look of you. disappointment on his face. I wish I had a camera.
2: Paul, I think it's the same look that we are all having right now as we look at our mics.
4: Well, I liked brigade back in the nineties. And what this series does is this is a reboot of the brigade franchise until franchise, <laughs> like anyone gives a shit, but we don't <laughs> In a way, that makes even less sense than the 90s books. It's written worse than the 90s books and the art sucks worse than the 90s books. This book was awful, absolutely awful. Scarlet number 1, written by <laughs> Ryan Michael bendison with art by Alex Maleev. You know, I
0: Paul and I've talked a lot about uh, Scarlet offline and you know, for weeks we've been going what the hell is it about? You know, because the solicits were so weird on it and vague,
2: you know. Yeah, I, I picked it up in the store and flipped through it, and I still don't know what it was about. Well, you know, it just I, didn't look good. I didn't put it on my list because I, I felt like Marvel should Marvel
0: and you know Bendis and Malif should be punished for having such vague solicits. And so I, I picked it up on the uh, uh, on the shelf and flipped through it, and I didn't like how the the main character was just talking to the reader through the whole thing. You know, this ongoing monologue, and I was like, "Ooh, as pretty as it looks, I'm putting it back on the shelf." So, Paul, you may continue your review.
4: That bugged the crap out of me. The, the the lead character, Scarlet, basically she just talks to the reader throughout the entire book. I mean, the entire book. And even at the end, she's like, I'm going to change the world. And then she looks at the reader and says, and you're going to help me. And it's like, how? By buying your shitty $4 book? Because <laughs> I'm not going to go do anything. You know, this Sorry, book lady.
2: Was, She-Hulk did the talking to the fans thing better years ago.
4: Yeah, This book was atrocious. I, and I, I hate it when... When writers think they're, they're so, you know, it's like, I'm going to write a too, school, a too cool for school type character who's going to talk to the reader and talk down to them, and they're going to be so badass because they, they, they're just cool. And it's not. This book sucked. It really did. It was, and it, it's so generic. So yeah. she's just some normal chick hanging with her friends. Some dirty cops come and shoot her boyfriend for no freaking reason. You know and it's all covered up and so she decides the world is screwed up and she's gonna start shooting things
0: you know it makes me sad because Bendis and Malieve are, are really my favorite talent team I mean they I, they have done just done so many amazing things together uh, I, I, I just love that that pairing and I'm just sad that this looks so awful
4: yeah I've seen wildly varying um, reviews online. Mm-hmm. Some people hate it. Some people love it. There's not a lot of eh, it's okay. Yeah. I hated this book. I yeah. hated it with a passion. Uh, I'm actually angry that I bought it. Well, a number one
0: issue that I loved this week was Batman Odyssey number one by Neil Adams. And what I love about the cover of this book is that you know normally you see like three names on the on the book telling you the the, the team that brought it to you, and on this one it's just Neil Adams. Screw you, anybody else. Neil Adams brought you this book.
4: He can't deliver it to the shop.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Neil Adams is, uh, for me, the quintessential Batman artist. He just draws an outstanding, fantastic Batman. And I got to tell you, this book is so cool. It looks so freaking amazing. There is this one panel that just leaps off the page and let me back up a second and say that uh a lot of this issue is batman talking about his early days um you know where he was young and what this what it shows you is a batman early in his career where he's making mistakes and so there's just this badass scene of batman climbing up the side of this uh this uh train and he's got you know he's hand up on the on the top rail pulling himself up and he's got a pistol in his other hand you know and one of the his batman ears is bent back and he just he just looks all grim and gritty and his teeth are all snarling and his thought balloon is could have waited on drawing the gun now i have to climb with one hand <laughs> and it just cracks me up because it, while it looks cool you're going well that's got to make that climbing up the ladder pretty hard <laughs> and you know, batman admits that but man it's a cool looking page um, there's just some some beautiful artwork in this page, and one of the things that's really interesting is, you know, we're not used to seeing Batman handle firearms. You know, he's usually very anti-gun, and it, it kind of brings into the story him using guns early on, and then deciding no, that that's not my thing. I'm not going to use guns at all, and it's why he doesn't use guns. Um, my only complaint about the book is that you know Neil Adams, he did the the art and the uh, the story. Um, the pacing's a little off at the end and it just boom ends and it doesn't, didn't feel like a very organic place to end the issue. You just feel like, you know, we got our page count, stop here. Um, but that's my only complaint. I am so in for the next issue. This book is beautiful.
4: I guess I should have picked up that book other than Steve Rogers, super soldier number one, huh? Or that crappy Grant Morrison book you read. You know what I'm great. loving, Paul.
2: <laughs> there were two or three books on the shelves this week that I picked up and flipped. There was like, no, I'm not spending my money on that. And then I see messages from you about about all of them and about how horrible they were. <laughs> you just justified my decision to not buy these books. So speaking of one of those books, I hear you read uh, Steve Rogers Super Soldier Number One.
4: <laughs> I did. What a coincidence. It's written by Ed Brubaker with art by Dale Eaglesham. And I picked it up because Brubaker's been doing some decent stuff with Secret Avengers. And, you know, and I like the concept that Steve Rogers is not in the Captain America outfit anymore. And Dale Eaglesham is a great artist. And this is the book he left Fantastic Four for. Yes. This kills me. And this book was crap. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. This book was crap. I mean, we're talking about a book, and Ed Brubaker is is a pretty decent writer sometimes, uh, other than Captain America Reborn. We're talking about a book in which Captain America, or Steve Rogers, gets into his super soldier outfit just to climb into a window and change back into a tux, just to take off the tux two
1: pages later back into his super soldier outfit. I mean, it's just... Wait, no, I think that's a good move, because it really explains some of the issues we were having with Siege.
3: Yeah, this leads Creans to to Aaron's thought about Steve Rogers' fashion mafia, also. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he is all about the
0: clothes.
4: (laughs) And basically, the story is about how someone is trying to take the same formula that made him a super soldier, and they've perfected it, and now they're making super soldiers. How many times have we seen this before? And it's just it's not interesting, it's not exciting, it's rather boring. The art is not that great either. Um, and I, I feel bad about saying that because Dale Eaglesham's, you know usually a good artist, but the art was not that good, and not only that, there's a goddamn reprint in the back of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> indignity after indignity.
1: maybe so, you know, maybe they just need to get Brewbreaker away from Captain America because the Captain America ongoing also by him also not good. If Captain America Reborn wasn't good, maybe they just need to put him somewhere else.
2: You know, and it's sad because I never really was a big fan of the character until his run. He made me care about the character. He made me care about Bucky Cap. And then right around the time of Rebirth, that's what killed it. I mean, the title itself started going downhill. It started dragging out storylines I didn't care about. And I jumped off the title and It was, you know, he was the one that made it interesting. I don't know what happened because it's the same writer.
4: Yeah, I don't know. But you know what? I obviously got the short stick because freaking Aaron picked up another great one, number one issue. Uh, Oh, man.
0: Thor the Mighty Avenger book of the week. This book was so awesome. Um, You know, I had read, I didn't know much about this book. And I had read that it was going to be out of continuity, and I assumed that meant that they were just going to place the story in some nebulous point in Marvel history. But no, this is a whole different Marvel universe featuring Thor. It's a whole different origin story. The characters are not the characters you know. And the art is amazing. I've done very much in the style of uh, Mike Allred's Madman series, Chris Somney. Does a beautiful job on the in the artwork on this book in fact uh, i 'll put a link in the show notes he 's had a thing all week long uh, to celebrate the the release of this book and he 's been doing uh, uh, sketches of Thor characters uh, all through the week. Uh, I just absolutely love this. I love that. Um, you know, I always thought that Jane Foster was was poorly placed in the story in the origin story of Thor. You know, the whole Dr. Blake and nurse Jane Foster. Jane Foster is an archaeologist in this book and, you know, works with like the Smithsonian or something. And they're doing a big uh, uh, showing of Viking uh, artifacts. And that's how she encounters Thor. Um I just really, really enjoyed this book. It had a lot of energy. It was extremely positive, very heroic. Just, It was just, just a great book, just a great book, highly recommended.
3: Time out, time out. So is the cover art the same as the interior art? Yes. So it's very 1960s Avengers looking?
0: I, I wouldn't characterize it as 1960s Avengers, but yes, there is certainly a retro feel to it.
3: Okay because because we you know you asked me if I'd got this book and I didn't and it was very much like the Harley Quinn thing where I like I like the concept because I love Thor uh-huh. but I'm like I, uh, uh, I I can't deal with that cover So you're telling me the story was good.
0: Oh man I, I am so hot for this book I have read it three times already 299 cover price um, all original content and uh, this thing's just firing on all cylinders. It's just terrific.
3: I don't think I can get over the Jack Kirby-looking stuff. I don't know. I'm I'm sold. I think I'm going to pick this up
1: today when I go to the comic shop. God, I love this book.
4: Regular listeners will know that Jonathan Landreth has not been on the show these last couple of weeks. So he wanted to to say some words on a book that he missed. He hasn't been yeah. on I
2: didn't
3: even notice. <laughs> <laughs> He's been bumping around the backwoods of the Deep South. I,
1: last I do have to give you guys uh, kudos because... Uh, There were many times I was listening to an episode I wasn't on, and somebody would say something that was uh, set up for a perfect joke. And I'm like, oh, come on. And then, you know, it'd be like Wayne or Tim would – I'm like, yes. Way to close. Yes. (laughs) 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 So, you know, it wasn't wasn't too bad. But – Yeah, I missed talking about uh, Green Arrow number one, which I actually picked up. Uh, I loved it. I really, really loved it. Uh, I love the art. The story seems cool. I'm in for the Merry Men. Bring them on. And uh, I, I ended up uh, dropping Atlas and putting that on my pulse. Did you pick up Flash number three? I did. And what'd you think? Oh, fantastic! It just (laughs) three three issues so far of just consistent awesomeness, beautiful heroic storytelling. Love it. I love that we've got you reading DC books. Well, (laughs) these you know it's it because the DC books that that I'm reading, you know, both. I mean, the Flash, the concept of the character, eh? But you know, kudos to uh, was it Jeff Johns? Yeah. Because he's he really he really makes it interesting, despite the fact that he's like I got a guy who runs fast.
0: Well, and truly, I think that Francis Manapul is doing a lot there for you too. I mean, he the the art in that book really makes it more interesting. Because I mean, because you're well, right, he's a guy who runs fast.
1: Any anyone that can make you buy into villains like Commander Boomerang and stuff, like you know they're doing a good job. Yeah. Because otherwise. <laughs> I mean this is the stu- this is the D C stuff that I laugh at. Right. You know what I mean? I mean it's no red rocket. Red <laughs> Rocket. But <laughs> uh but yeah, Green Arrow, just as good. Very edgy. Uh it, it it's definitely seemed like a Marvel esque sort of story of what I remember from the nineties. Um you know, where it's got that edge but it's also got the heroism and and uh lo- love the artwork and you know, I'm I'm also really digging both these books are set in these uh DC mythical cities. And I really like that aspect of it. I really do. Like Star
4: City and uh is it Central City? It's Central is City. Central yeah. City.
1: Yeah, I I really dig that, you know, rather than just bouncing around from one known landmark to another. Right. I I really like you know I think both both writers are doing a good job of making these cities be a, a central part of the story.
2: They're actually almost characters themselves at times.
1: Yeah, I mean it's just it's great. It really helps you buy in even more. Um, so yeah, those are two really good books. I mean, don't expect me to be picking up any Grant Morrison books. Paul, Batman and Robin
3: thirteen. Yeah, Paul. I'm Groot. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, awesome. you are Groot, Paul. You are <laughs> Groot. Nah, I am. I nah, am Groot.
0: I have to say, Paul, I worked with Groot. I know Groot, and you, sir, are no Groot. I'm kind of Groot. No, I don't think so. You have, you have, you have lost your Grootness. <laughs>
4: <laughs> you know what else has lost its Grootness? This episode.
0: <laughs> As if it ever had any.
4: As if it ever had any grudeness to begin with. For shame. Well, good episode, guys. Yeah. Does no one respond unless Aaron says it? Aaron, <laughs> go ahead.
0: Podcast theme music graciously provided by
4: Mark Andrew Pope.
0: For more information, visit markandrewpope.com.
3: subjects. I don't don't know, but I might have to pick up Batman and Robin.